Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Hello, this is WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also, well, the streaming online is down right now, but should be up soon. (laughs) You're listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections, on the air every Sunday at noon. You can also find us on podcast, Facebook, and Instagram. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and the guests, not the radio station. My name is Becca Polk. I'm one of the hosts of the show today, and I am a middle school teacher in Springfield, Vermont. And my name is Anna Milani. I'm also a local educator, and I have been teaching at the Community College of Vermont in Bennington. And last week's show, we were talking about Puerto Rico. Uh, If you missed that show, you can check it out on our Facebook page, Indigo Radio, or on our new podcast that we have. And today's show, we'll be talking about the teacher unions in higher education, specifically how how it plays out in Vermont State Colleges. Uh, We'll also be talking about the increasing trend of part-time faculty at universities and what's going on in the state of Vermont around all of this. We are really lucky to have a couple guests in the studio and also another teacher is going to be joining us via the phone. We're going to be having a roundtable discussion about all of this today. So in the studio we have Cindy Polinsky. She is American Federation teacher Vermont field rep for higher education. She's the union rep for the state of Vermont and she has 25 years of experience in the labor movement. And we are also happy to have Joe Barry in the studio. Joe is the author of Reclaiming the Ivory Tower, Organizing Adjuncts to Change Higher Education. Joe is a retired contingent labor educator from the University of Illinois and City College of San Francisco. And he's also taught in Iowa and Pennsylvania. He's worked with all the major unions that organize contingent faculty. And he is presently the retiree rep in, um, at the City College of San Francisco. He lives in both Berkeley, California, and also Jamaica, Vermont, which is why we grabbed him while he was in Vermont. And he also currently teaches labor studies in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. So we want to welcome you to the studio. Joe and Cindy, thank you for being here. Uh, we also are going to get Kathleen Moore on the phone. Kathleen is a mediator, counselor, and coach, and she has been teaching at the Community College for Vermont for more than 10 years. So we're going to go to a quick song break while we get Kathleen on the phone, and we'll be right back for our roundtable discussion on higher education, unions, part-time faculty, and more. The song we're going to go out with is uh, Rebel Diaz with uh, Chicago Teacher. Yeah, feel this from the bottom of my heart, y'all. Truly inspired. Here we go. Come on. Look. Yo, yo. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher. So I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher, I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. The teachers are tired, the students dumbfounded, the budgets get cut so classes are overcrowded. Streets full of violence, the blue coat is silence, so I'ma keep rhyming till salaries start rising. The unions are rising, taken to the streets, the workers are united, so the mayors got beef. Rhymes a fake pretender with a corporate agenda, neoliberal offender. Of course you offend us This ain't about money That's far from the truth They want better work conditions To teach the youth Politicians, I don't trust them It's all in the name The president, the mayor All want political gain They'd rather put the kids in jail Shackle them with chains And provide an education That challenges the brain Top-down education Chicago the birthplace Now it's spreading nationwide All over the place They don't teach us how to think They teach us how to test They teach us how to work to put money in they checks The CEOs need to get up out the classroom Before these streets get hotter than the sand in Cancun So join the picket line like Mr. Pickett in his prime Put on your red shirt like the Bulls in 95 Hit the streets with a sign They say I'm fighting for mine It's a fork in the road And you gotta choose a side And yes, 
Cause I'm proud to say I was a public school student It was public school teachers that first taught me music And yes, I'm proud to say I was a public school student A public school teacher first taught me music Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher So I'm inspired by the fight from our Chicago teachers Went to Lil' Lincoln School in a little school bus Desegregation Pay 20 cents for lunch, reduced price ticket for the lower income children, art and music classes in between math and English. Now it's different, they just teaching to the test, forced by the feds, or they losing that check. Too many children left behind by this corporate assembly line, how they privatize. Education is a human right, and they kids gonna be fine, they sent them to private schools, while ours get sent to prison or given a job serving fast food. Cash rules, so it gets treated like a business, bought and sold by businessmen turned politicians. So when Prom was the chief of staff, and Arnie Duncan got his start in Chicago selling off the education system, then Obama gotta respond. The teachers or the corporations, which side is he on? The streets is getting hot, they blame the heat on Chief Keith, but it's a million others like him. Being created every week If we don't teach, we don't learn And the streets is gonna burn Before it gets worse I put on my red shirt Cause homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher So I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher So I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. That was Chicago Teacher by Rebel Diaz. And we are back at Indigo Radio uh, here in the studio. We have Joe Barry, we have Cindy Polinsky. So Joe, we were wondering if you could just start out the show describing the current context. Um, thinking about national landscape of higher education, specifically around part-time faculty and the impacts on students. Dirty little secret of higher education that most students and uh, people in the community don't know is that 75% of the people who are teaching college classes now are contingent, don't have job security or, or benefits or living wage pay. And that's a change since the 70s, uh, that, that casualization when 75% of the faculty used to be tenured, tenure track, full-time, permanent, living-waged people. And most of them are women, as opposed to most tenure track faculty are, are men. And people of color are much more likely to be contingent than to be tenure track. So it's a reflection in sort of a turbo fashion of the changes in the whole labor force but it's happened in the space of one generation in teaching, in college teaching. So it's real fast. Unfortunately, that was my generation, though. CCV um, has over 500 part-time faculty. And the difference is a little bit in terms of what Joe is saying is that actually at CCV, the faculty has always been part-time. So there hasn't been a move to create that part-time faculty, but they've always been in existence, and that's how the college has um, functioned since its inception. Um, we also represent part-time faculty throughout the system in a, who have a union contract. And their union contract um, has been in existence since 1993. And although they have faced challenges that Joe is talking about, their union contract has really helped them a lot in terms of um, being able to obtain better living wages and, um, you know, has allowed them to be more integrated into the college system with office space and also to be, um, they're part of departments, right? So they actually help to create continuity of education and they, um, their qualifications and seniority are respected. So a union contract can really help part-time faculty in this end, and I think there's a growing trend towards people organizing. Is that right, Joe? Yes, there certainly are. And it's based on the, some of the consequences of, uh, of, of the casualization, the, uh, the part-timerization of, of, uh, of the faculty nationally. People are, this, this trend nationally became common in the 1970s 
starting California and then sweeping the country like so many things do. But the, the organizing movement by part-time and other contingent faculty really began at the same time, uh, starting in California again and sweeping across the country, and now very much nationally. And there is a national movement, and it's organized large numbers of contingent faculty, especially in the, in the public, this tax-supported state school sector, uh, but, but increasingly recently in the uh, private sector and even a few in the uh, for-profits. And people have found that this increased their, um, their conditions, the conditions of their students. And, uh, and I think the biggest marker of this is that in not a single case in the whole country have faculty ever, part-time faculty ever changed their minds and, uh, and left the union once they, once they brought it in. And that's, that's not the case in the whole rest of the, of the labor force. So that's that's a fairly strong marker of how people feel about unionization and its impact on their work. Let's go to a song break. We're going to hear from Pete Seeger, Roll the Union On. Welcome back. We are Indigo Radio, streaming every Sunday from noon to one on WVEW 107.7, your community radio station. And if you're just joining us, we have Joe Barry, author of Reclaiming the Ivory Tower, Organizing Adjuncts to to Change Higher Education. He has had a long history of doing labor organizing. As with Cindy Polinsky, she works for AFT Vermont and is the field rep for higher education. She's a union rep for the state of Vermont, and she has had 25 years of experience in the labor movement. Let's go back to Joe. And we were talking about, when we were thinking about this topic today, was thinking about how universities are coming increasingly like factories, thinking about how factories are there in order to make money. And there's been a lot of talk about this over the years of moving from public education to the private sector. And I know there's a lot of talk with Betsy Davos um, as the new Secretary of Education. And thinking about how that impacts the world of the universities. So Joe, I was wondering if you could talk with us a little bit at how that connects to the history of higher education in this country. Well, the first thing I think to say is higher education has always been an arena of struggle between those who wanted education to serve primarily employers and those with power in the society and education and people who wanted education to serve the majority of the population uh, in terms of their role as citizens and their their ability to to uh, 
to get better employment and, and, and skills and that sort of thing as well. So there's always been that t- tension. Uh, the, since, 19, since, since the late 70s and especially uh, 1980, the uh, higher education has been very much a, an arena of, of struggle over what the purpose of higher education is. Is it, and especially in community colleges that serve working class, serve working class students, it's a, it's a question of whether people have a right to to, edu- to liberal education for citizenship or not, and the or, or whether people just get narrow narrow job training for uh, for whatever the employers are interested in hiring for that that uh, that particular that particular year. And I would argue that the casualization of the faculty, the turning of faculty into into temporary workers, in the majority, was really the the camel's nose under the tent. Was really the leading edge of this whole movement toward uh, making education more like corporations, and uh, in the whole society of turning everything into a market and nothing having value outside of market. The whole, as it's called, the neoliberal dynamic. And I'm just wondering, talking about these shifts in higher education, how does this affect the conditions of teachers and in their classrooms specifically and of the students and their learning? Let me say a couple of things, and then Cindy can add to it in specifics in Vermont. The first thing I think to say is that our, te- our, our working conditions are the students' learning conditions mm-hmm. in the majority. We're in the same room, and... We face and we're we're it's and adjuncts, part-time faculty are not lesser teachers, but we don't well we have lesser conditions and it makes it more difficult for us to do our best work. Our instability, not knowing whether we're going to teach or not, having students not know if we're going to teach or not, not having names in in uh, in class schedules. There's a, a famous paper that was written: Who is Professor Staff? And why can they teach so many classes? <laughs> That's a sort of a famous document of the movement of a few years ago, put out by the uh, by the New Faculty Majority, which is a uh, national organization of contingent faculty. You can find them on the internet. But it also this instability and and the less pay means that we have to oversplit our time to make a living, move from place to place. Don't have time to hang out with students, give them really the kind of support. Uh, outside of class that especially our students in community college who are mostly working class students, many first generation college students really need much more than students in elite schools like you know, Harvard or Bennington or Haverford or someplace like that where people come from a long, usually come from a long history of very educated families. And uh, those consequences redound in many other ways too, without office hours, without students being able to find us to write recommendations, and maybe most important, without job security, we really don't have the freedom to speak the truth as we see it in class, on campus, or in the community because we got to look over our shoulder, one complaint, and we can be uh, let go uh, unless we have some job security protection through a, through a union contract. And really, nobody wants to be taught by teachers can't afford to speak the truth as they see it. Cindy, you want to jump in and answer? Sure. Um, so I just would like to dovetail a little bit on what Joe said. Um, you know, the, the part-time faculty that we represent throughout the Vermont State College system you know, have um, a union contract, and they are able to um, plan for le- their lives more according, right? They, they have pay commensurate with the number of credits that they teach. So that encourages people to stay in the institution, and they have a, their turnover is um, a lot less than it might be otherwise. They also have regular office hours and office space, and um, they're also evaluated by their department heads, and so they um, know what the expectations of them are throughout um, their courses, and they can plan accordingly. Um, the other. Th- so we have been um, talking to a lot of the faculty at the Community College of Vermont and the community colleges, um, you know, um, the faculty that we've spoken with, they love their, their jobs, they are excellent faculty, and they would love to um, participate and have a union contract just as their colleagues do in the rest of the Vermont State College system. 
Uh, they believe this will enhance the institution and be good for students. Yeah, and I was thinking um, I could teach at a community college. And a couple years ago when I first taught there, the only way I could financially do it was to do it on top of my full-time job. So I was working at the Women's Freedom Center here in town and driving an hour through the winter over to Bennington, which is Route 9, to teach. And it was worth it to me because I really wanted to teach. I love working with the community college students. And, but, but after I finished, I just thought, I cannot do that again. It was so hard on top of my full-time job and um, also with that hour commute. And then, yeah, both ways. Yeah, an hour there, an hour back through the winter. And it is treacherous. Yes. Yeah, it is. Dangerous. Yeah. And so this past year, I ended up teaching again, and I was able to go down to four, uh, four days a week at my job. But I think that's a good example of what um, adjuncts or part-time faculty have to do in order to teach, because I feel like a lot of these teachers are really passionate about teaching. It's obviously not about the money, and, um, but they have to often juggling other jobs doing it. We are going to go to a quick break, and again, we'll, we'll keep on trying to get Kathleen on the air. We're, we're sorry that we don't have her voice in here right now. She's been a long-time faculty at Community College, um, and so it would be good to get her on the air here. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about unions um, in general and understand what the trends are nationally we also want to talk about what's good about a union are there things what do people say that are bad about a union and have our guests weigh in on that so we will be right back we're gonna roll we're gonna roll we're gonna roll the union on we're gonna roll we're gonna roll we're gonna roll the union on if the boss gets in the way we're gonna roll right over him Back on the air here. This is WVEW, WVEW 107.7 Indigo Radio, and we're going to try again for Kathleen. Are you there, Kathleen? I am. I can barely hear you, but I'm here. We have Kathleen on the air. Hi. Are you? You can hear me, okay? I can hear you not well, but I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can hear you great. So great. I think that's what counts. <laughs> Great. Thank you for joining us. We're really sorry about um, all the hiccups there. And we also just realized that we pay, played Pete Seeger twice, um, but we just really love that song. So <laughs> thanks, everyone, for dealing with us today. We are really thankful that we have some really awesome guests in the studio. Um, Kathleen, we're going to start with you now that we've got you on. Can you tell us who you are and what your work has been like working uh, as a part-time faculty at the Community College of Vermont. Sure. Uh, my name is Kathleen Moore, and I have taught communications and English at CTV for more than 10 years. And I have had wonderful colleagues and wonderful coordinators bosses at CTV, and I love the institution. Um, and I also know that unionizing will benefit us. Um, it will benefit our students. It will benefit the institution. And it will benefit the Vermont State College system as a whole. And we are really excited about this. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and we're going to uh, transition to talking about the unions. And Cindy, maybe you could just generally start out um, with some basics of what is a union and how might it play a role in community colleges or colleges in general. Sure. So a 
union is an organization that em a union is an organization that employees form, um, and it allows them to think about or to become the architects of their collective future together. So what that means is that people can think about their wages, hours, and working conditions, and they can determine together what would be, um, you know, um, help their working conditions and also help wherever they are working. For example, you know, we often say that um, a faculty's working conditions are the student's learning conditions, and that's true for places like the um, Community College of Vermont or anywhere, really. Um, so um, we, the AFT Vermont is a statewide organization, and we represent um, faculty at the state colleges and professional staff at the state colleges, as well as healthcare professionals throughout Vermont. And um, the local that, um, people mentioned that CCV is interested in joining our union. The local that the CCV faculty will join is the Vermont State College Faculty Federation. And that faculty federation already belongs to all of the other Vermont State Colleges. Now, um, I'll give you, that helps me to sort of give you an example of what a union could be like. Um, because the faculty federation was organized in 1972, and then the part-time faculty in the colleges joined in 1993. And throughout time, people have been able to um, survey their union members and find out what are priorities. And then they s look at those priorities and they sit down and they bargain a union contract. And a union contract is a document that's legally binding that both the administration and the union agreed to. The only way a union contract can be put into place is if the members vote, and we call that ratification. So if the members ratify a union contract once it's settled and the administration does, then it gets put into place and it becomes le legally binding. Our, our union contracts not only have things in them about wages and hours and working conditions, but they also have things in them that are very important to the well-being of students. For example, um, office space, like our part-time faculty have office space where they didn't have it bef in, before they had a contract. And also academic governance. Faculty get to weigh in on what um, the academic priorities of the institution are, which is also really, really good for students. Mm -hmm. So um, the other part about having a union is that because we're organized, and because we're organized in the Vermont State Colleges across the state, we're able to be in touch with our members and, and participate in important issues. So for, for example, in Vermont, Vermont State Colleges um, you know, are, have been underfunded for a really long time. And right now, the state invests about 16% of the um, budget for the Vermont State Colleges. And that's not enough. So there's an over-reliance on tuition in the Vermont State Colleges. And faculty and professional staff have been really involved in trying to actually increase state funding, which is r very important for students. So having a union allows us to advocate for students. And this year, we partnered with um, Jeb Spaulding and the Vermont State Colleges, and we were able to get an increase of well over $3 million for the system which will be very, very helpful to students. And we are actually able to involve the Community College of Vermont faculty as well. And Kathleen, I don't know if you want to chime in about that because you were participated in that. How do you think the union could benefit both students and faculty at CCV? Oh, lots of ways. Um, I think that if we, uh, once we join the union, um, the Vermont State College Faculty Federation is on the front lines of advocating for students um, because as uh, what I did hear Cindy mention is that um, funding is weak in Vermont. So we, uh, many of us in CCV have the opportunity to join in the Reclaim the Promise campaign, which is to get our legislature to fund us at an uh, appropriate level. Um, and that, for me, was a very meaningful experience because it gave me an opportunity to speak out um, with the chancellor of the Vermont State College System and with other faculty members on behalf of the students um, that we serve. And that resulted in some real funding changes. So that really made a big difference to me. Um, beyond the, the, the system-wide, I think that having a voice at the institution itself would be wise. Um, we are large, well, there's some faculty who serve on committees, but we largely don't participate in the life of the college. 
um, and I think a union would bring our, our voice to the college system, the wisdom of many years of teaching and experience. I think that would really be valuable. Great. Thanks so much. And um, I'm wondering now, just thinking about how unions, continuing the conversation about unions as being able to benefit both teachers and the students. Joe, I don't know if you have anything to add based on what's been said. Yeah, I mean, I think that in some ways, service, public service sector workers like teachers and nurses and healthcare workers and many others uh, are particularly well, uh, well positioned if they're organized to bargain for the public good because our conditions... Uh, our, our conditions are really the conditions of those who receive our services, whether they're students or patients or clients in a social work situation or whatever. So it's particularly clear, and that has become especially clear in recently as unions have more, uh, many local unions have more explicitly moved in that direction and worked to build alliances based on that common interest, like the Chicago teachers in their recent struggles against great odds have... Uh, have built an alliance with the uh, with the community, and likewise uh, in San Francisco recently, when there was a big struggle at sort of the the higher education version of the struggle that's gone on in um, in Chicago, with many of the same actors and many of the same opponents on on either side, uh, where they tried to actually close the school um, and narrow its mission and and. Uh, and also take away many of the benefits that part-time, the majority part-time faculty had. Uh, people came together with a with a community coalition and were able to save the school, move toward free tuition. San, City College San Francisco will be free in the fall, and it was because of the union that sparked that effort. And uh, and also um, be part of a of a struggle to uh, gain more progressive taxation at a statewide and a local level, which means that that the rich will pay a, a higher percentage of their income for taxes that will go to uh, to higher education um, and other public services. And so it's not impossible. This kind of stuff can happen, but it can only happen when people are organized in a in a democratic organization that they control and that is responsive to their needs. As both as as workers in an institution and as uh, and as citizens and part and also part of the broader, you know, working class. Yeah, I mean, this conversation is so important. People have this um, way of making unions only about pay and only about the teachers' benefits. And what what I'm hearing on this show today is that it's about so much more. It's about the world we live in, shaping the world we live in, giving people a place for these. Uh, a learning place to question the world we live in and to also be able to put in your focus. I know as a teacher, if I'm working three jobs, my time preparing and being able to really provide feedback for students would be limited. Um, And I just think about public school teachers in the primary grades and through high school, how the union the strengthening of the union to also be about the standardized testing and to be about the conditions of our students is something that's um, coming back into the unions inspired by St. Paul Federation of Teachers and Chicago and Seattle and Portland, Los Angeles. So I think we're on a rise of teachers unions becoming stronger. Um, I just wanted to go to a quick song. It's by Remy students united It's the tuition protest song connecting um, tuition, maybe eventually the conversation of free tuition in Vermont to the struggles of teachers. We're the students united and nothing can tamp us. We're taking our message to all parts of campus, the administrations who we're trying to find. We want to know why our tuition's so high. So we check the yoga studio. They're not there. The coffee shop, ice cream machine everywhere. The sauna, the climbing wall, pool, the high dive. We want to know why our tuition's so high. We're the students united. We won't be divided. We'll get what we want. Oh, and don't try to fight it. Our SAT, ACT scores are sublime. But there still are some answers we struggle to find. 
we're protesting privilege. We're marching the streets with the golf and the dance and equestrian teams. We need a safe space from the intolerant. Can't you see your words hurt me, you dumb piece of sh**? We're the students united, we won't be divided We'll get what we want, oh, and don't try to fight it Our SAT, ACT scores are sublime But there still are some answers we struggle to find We're chanting with vigor, we're chanting with rage We won't accept less than a good living wage At a job interview, we told them how we felt but the last thing we heard, they went with someone else. We're the students united, we won't be divided. We'll get what we want, oh, and don't try to fight it. Our SAT, ACT scores are sublime. But there still are some answers we struggle to find. Yes, there still are some answers we struggle to find. So we're back. This is Indigo Radio. You're listening to WVWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Don't forget to find Indigo Radio on podcast and SoundCloud and Facebook. We're getting all into the social media these days. <laughs> um, Kathleen, I'm wondering, we were having a conversation about bargaining for the public good, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what you would like to see um, at CCV in connecting to a possible um, sure. union and yeah. just the conditions. I'd be happy to do that. We have, we've been out talking to a lot of people, and um, as you know, we have uh, called for an election, a majority have called for an election. And some of the issues I've been hearing so far um, have to do with a transparent and fair hiring process, uh, something that is uh, the same across the system and it's clear to everyone, um, a fair and graduated pay scale, that seems important to us, um, many of us. Uh, so some more thoughtful responses to bereavement and illness across the system because it's not systematized, uh, appropriate and agreed upon workloads, and also a well-defined process of bringing and addressing grievances, which we think um, people I'm talking to think those are all very reasonable um, requests to make. So, yeah, and I can give more detail on any of those. And um, I'd just like to jump in here. Um, uh, having a union contract that actually mm. outlines those issues that are jointly agreed upon between the administration and the faculty really benefit everyone because they provide clear guidance about how everyone should function, and so there are no surprises. And that allows for a more stable workforce. Having um, pay grades really uh, allow people to forecast their finances over the upcoming years and allows people to really think about staying with the institution and creates continuity of education. The other thing is that um, having a union allows people to really collaborate across institution and, and think about what's best for students. For example, um, uh, many, many of the students who enter CCV as well as the other Vermont State Colleges are first generation students. And um, this past year, the Vermont State College Faculty Federation implemented a program um, where um, first-generation faculty who were in the union all put posters on their doors inviting first-generation students to come in and talk to them. And that created a safe space for first-generation students to get advising and to get support. And we, we also um, you know, invited our CCV colleagues to participate in that. So we look forward to having them part of the, be part of the same organization so that we can really think about the whole system and students together to maximize um, student growth and potential. Yeah, um, I'd like to jump in a little bit to add to that. Uh, while there are obvious things that are in the interest directly of both faculty and students, like lower class sizes, uh, and health and safety measures on the campuses that directly affect both in a very direct and obvious way. Uh, there are other things that, uh, or having offices that people can meet in. There are other things that perhaps on the surface wouldn't appear that way, but in fact are in the interest of both students and the, and the community as a whole. 
Uh, for instance, having job security and academic freedom means that you people can be more effective in the institution, in classrooms, can give frank and honest answers in, in advising or in subject content, and, uh, and can speak out in the community, which is an important aspect of being a college teacher, is to be, that is the, the we're the organic uh, public intellectuals in most, most communities, and there's a, uh, and that's an important, that's an important role for the society as a whole, and uh, for, for everybody else. Uh, and, and not just our students, because our academic freedom to teach and speak is the students' academic freedom to hear all sides of, of issues. And I'm wondering, you know, we had a very strong teachers or student movement in, in universities during the Vietnam War throughout the 60s and 70s, and it seems to kind of correlate with the, um, de- the rise of part-time faculty and if you're talking about the community that's able to be built and really the relationship between teachers and students, <clears throat> it, I'm wondering if you all see these trends as connected as an anti um, going against the organizing on campus as well as um, taking away the control from teachers on these universities and college campuses. Well, I mean, the historical thing is interesting because, of course, teachers unions as a big factor in K-12 and higher ed, arose in the 60s and 70s, along with the rest of the social movements, or actually originally out of the civil rights movement, and then later on to anti-war movement and women's movement and, and, and others that, that essentially rode the backs of the civil rights movement as the, as the pathbreaker. Uh, and, and that changed the composition of the, of the faculty, too, by the way, and of, who's, and of who the students were, no longer just upper-middle-class white men, but now... Uh, uh, women and people of, and, and uh, people of color, male and female, uh, and that that changed everything, uh, and it changed administration's responses too, in in terms of in terms of uh, 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 casualizing the faculty. But um, our experience has been in in that st- being organized helps connect teachers and students because student organizations now have a place to connect with organized faculty, not just their own individual teachers, and uh, uh, around issues of common concern, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, militarization on the campuses or racial discrimination and all those sorts of things. Yes, um, for example, example, this year during our Reclaim the Promise campaign, on every campus we had information tables and they were for students and students talked about the importance of you know um, uh, tuition assistance right and the cost of college so our union is plays a very very crucial role in working with students in the administration to take on issues such as the um, you know um, that tuition costs which are really high in Vermont and we're going to be exploring issues of free tuition together Right, so we um, we actually encourage students to be active and and um, accompany them at the state house and in all kinds of arenas. So, I might also add that in some places, faculty unions have actually voted to use some of their dues money to hire student organizers to organize students around around issues of common concern to faculty and students, and that's been crucial in in some of the big systems like the massive California State University system uh, that has been under tremendous financial pressure. So I wanted to um, ask our last question for the show today and directed towards you, Kathleen, first, about what do you hope to see um, with the organizing of teachers? And connected to that, how can people who are not CCV teachers support that um, struggle that you all are going through right now? Oh, sorry. Um, just what do you hope to see? My, my hope for the future for the instructors at CCV is that we have a seat at the table. Um, we uh, come and go and lack uh, colleagueship largely because we are, we're not there together. So um, coming together as a union is going to give us an opportunity to really talk about what matters in uh, our subject areas. We don't actually have departments at the college. Um, and it's going to give us an opportunity to be more economically stable and more economically viable. Um, it's, it's a, I think, a myth that we, uh, the instructors, are much better off economically than our students, and that just 
is not true. Many of us are in largely precarious financial situations. Um, we also know that we are not making equal pay for equal work. Um, this, I think our faculty deserve compensation parity with the fac faculty in the other state college system. Currently, no matter how long one has taught at CCV, whether it's a year or 25 years, the pay is the same base level, and I don't, I don't think that's fair. Um, and CCV has really, the history of CCV is that way back when, um, when they began, their philosophy was to have no permanent buildings and only use contingent faculty with no benefits, and things have really changed at the institution. Um, the college now owns a large portion of our buildings. Um, we have substantial staff and management, nearly all of whom have benefits, but the faculty is still 100% contingent with no benefits, and we are actually paid up to 30% less than the rest of the unionized Vermont State College uh, faculty for the same work. So we are hoping to change that. <laughs> and how do you think, Kathleen, people who are not currently teachers at CCV can support what you all are going through? I think just being aware and being uh, supportive in public when you hear about it, um, uh, letting people know, letting your legislators know if they have any, they won't have any say, but just being public in your support and encouraging. Um, I think people sometimes have a negative perspective of unions, and I really want to counter that, which is the union is us. The union is the faculty. When we organize, that's us. And um, having a, a say in the work that we do and having a, a positive influence on higher education in Vermont uh, and improving our own circumstances, which are precarious, um, is really going to be valuable. So I just want to, I, I do want to get the word out and let people know that um, this is happening and we're excited about it. Well, so we've been joined today with Joe Barry, author of Reclaiming the Ivory Tower, Kathleen Moore, who's a CCV faculty, and Cindy Pulowski, working with the American Federation of Teachers in Vermont. And I just wanted to give you all about 30 seconds, anything wrap-up that you wanted to um, say before we end the show. Well, I, I would say remember that students' learning conditions are our teachers' working conditions, and there is a movement out there among contingent faculty. Welcome to the movement, and there is a movement to try and protect and defend uh, higher education in the interests of the majority. And uh, welcome to the movement, and uh, and join us in what is a very very important struggle for uh, for frankly for the whole society. And I would just like to say that. Um, Public higher education is a very important issue to every single person in Vermont. And I know that working together, we can actually make sure that our faculty and our, um, and our students and the citizens of Vermont have the most excellent affordable public education there is. Um, and I also want to welcome CCV faculty into our union. Um, and I know together we can do great things, yes. And Kathleen, is there anything, any final statements that you would like to make before we end our show today? Yes, thank you. Um, I just think that bringing the wisdom and the experience of the faculty who are really at the center of any educational institution to the table to benefit our students and the, is, um, and the institution as a whole is just a wise thing to do. Um, I uh, coming together in a union will benefit our students, it benefits our faculty, it benefits the college itself, and it benefits higher education in Vermont. So I just think this is a, I'm excited. And well, thank you all so much for joining us. And this is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections on the air every Sunday at noon. And you can find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio. You've been listening to WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7, your community radio station. We're going to go out with the song Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young about the 1970 Kent State um, shootings that happened. Thank you all. <laughs>